Good morning. Oh, what a wonderful day to be with you all this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Isn't it a, a great day? I'm glad you're here. Just to kind of update you a little bit really quickly on Mwangaza International. It is a ministry in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, they're based in, outside, in, in the capital city of, of Kinshasa. And it's a metropolitan area, uh, about 20 million people, but it's, it's a third world country, um, and, and, and the structure there is really difficult. One of the things that Mwangaza is trying to do is they're trying to make inroads into the mortality rate of the children in the community, especially in Kinshasa, which is more of the slums of that area. Um, the mortality rate for children is about 40% up to the age of five years old. So Marisa went there a few years back, and while she was traveling down the, the roads in, in the city there, they were passing by periodically these little places, marketplaces, but they would have these little tiny coffins out there being sold on the street. She was questioning, what are the little coffins all about? The little coffins are for the children because the children die at such a young age. And when you think that two out of five kids will not make it to the age of five, it's a struggle. They don't really have a, a good hospitalization system there. And so our goal is to raise about $20,000 to build a clinic that will be designated specifically for um, deliveries of babies and aftercare for the children and for the mothers because a lot of the mothers as well die at childbirth or thereafter shortly because of infections and just the unhealthiness of the area. So the gift that we're giving is going to help provide um, a way for them to make a difference not only medically but also spiritually because they take the message of the gospel to the people within that community. Some of the things that they've done, they put in wells in their communities, and a water well will now serve about 10,000 people a day that will come in and, and draw water from their well rather than having to walk 10 miles outside of town to get fresh water. So we're grateful to partner with them. So if you could be generous in, in giving towards our mission this, this, this month, that would be wonderful. There's a story told about a, a gentleman that is... is he was coming out of a movie theater. There was a woman and her dog coming out as well. And, and he, he tried to get a conversation with her. And, and in the conversation, he said, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm amazed at your dog. I mean, your dog during the movie cried at all the right spots when it was tearful. And your dog had this sense of <gasps> fear when all the scary parts came along. And, and as a matter of fact, your dog even laughed in the funny parts. And I thought, this is just amazing what your dog is doing. He says, don't you think that's unusual? And the woman looked at him and he says, well, yeah, I think it's unusual, especially since he hated the book. <laughs> yeah, you, you got it. Well, let me ask you a question. Is there any amazement in your life today? Any, any wonder and awe in which things just surprise you about what's happening around you? I mean, do you have any room for something to knock your socks off and just make you kind of step back and go, Wow. I mean, that, that's really the question I want us to look at today. I mean, what stuns you? What's, what leaves you speechless? What induces that jaw-dropping, mouth-opening, wide-eyed, staring, uh, uh, just the, the, the flip-flopping of your stomach inside because of what's happening around you? Is there anything that really gets you excited today? 
I mean, think about what we're doing here today. A day where we celebrate a man who died and three days later came back to life. It's amazing. You see, I think today we live in a world with little room for wonder. We have explained, manipulated, mastered, and test-tubed the wonder out of everything in life, haven't we? Instead of watching for, for the moonrise, we turn on the light. Instead of celebrating the, you know, the, the, the sun and its heat or the snow and its, and its cold, we, we change the, the, thermo, you know, the thermometer, the thermostat in our cars and in our houses. You see, we've bridged rivers, we've tamed deserts, we have taken and moved cities inside the middle of the national forests, and we've conquered our world, which God had called us to do. And nothing seems impossible anymore. The world right now is just an airport away. Matter of fact, you can reach somebody over in Japan on the other side of the world just by dialing 10 digits, right? Beyond that, all we have to do is open our phone and we can push a button and we can see them and video chat with them. I mean, everything today is a mouse click away. We live in a world that is ever-expanding and yet it's getting smaller as the days go by. We don't fear disease like we used to because we've got great medical techniques. We eradicate it. We chemotherapy it. We laparoscopically excise it. I mean, there's amazing. They've got a thing called keyhole heart surgery. It used to be they would split you wide open. Now they're just going through a little hole, and, and, and it's amazing what can be done. Nothing really, really amazes us, does it, though? We don't gaze up stupefied at the stars, just wondering. Because, see, we can name them and we can measure them and we can classify them and analyze them. We even send probes out into the distant planets. And we've got telescopes and picture cameras that are sending back things that our eyes have never beheld before. We don't quake and tear at the power of nature. Matter of fact, we predict it, we track it, and we classify it. We issue storm warnings about it. We build buildings that are supposed to be storm-proof, right? There isn't much room for wonder in our world anymore, except perhaps to marvel at ourselves and how great we are, right? And we're quite amazed at ourselves, aren't we? Have you ever heard of a man called Houdini, Harry Houdini? I mean, Harry Houdini was, he was one of these marvel of men. His claim to fame was that he had this great specialized gift to escape anything that they put him in. And believe me, they tried to incarcerate him in all kinds of things. From They put him in a boiler and riveted it shut, and yet he came out. They sealed him in a coffin, and he came out. They put him in a canvas bags, and they sewed it shut, and he was able to escape. They locked him in a milk can, and he escaped. They sealed him in a beer barrel, and he escaped. They put him in a maximum security prison, and somehow Harry Houdini was able to escape. I mean, it seems like nothing could keep him inside. But on October 31st, 1926, Harry Houdini died. And they put him in a grave. Now, it's interesting to know, he and his wife had a discussion about this before it happened. 
And this was, this was his statement about it. He said, if there is a way out, I'll find it. If there's a way out, I'll make contact with you and we'll do it on the anniversary of my death. Harry Houdini thought for sure that even the grave would not be able to hold him. And so he was making plans with his wife for his great escape. Sounds fun, doesn't it? I mean, that would have been amazing. She kept a light over his portrait. And on the 10th anniversary of his death, she took it down. Realizing he wasn't coming back. You see, but death laid holds on another man once as well. A man by the name of Jesus. And they put Jesus in a tomb. And there was a stone at the mouth of that tomb that was rolled in place. And it was sealed with a Roman seal and protected by a Roman guard so that that man would not be able to come out. And yet somehow Jesus Christ stirred within himself. And on the third day after his death, he rose again, and he came back to life, and he somehow escaped the confines of that sealed tomb. Well, it could have been the angel who came and sat down on that stone and rolled it away as the earth shook, or, or was that just simply a response because he was no longer there? But Jesus conquered death, and he was no match for its grip. So, this morning we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And since that moment in history, our world has been altered and things have changed and nothing will ever be the same again. But my question is, are you still amazed at what he did? I mean, are you still in awe of the fact that he is alive? I mean, nearly 2,000 years later, he is still alive. He has not died again, and he will not die again. This is a uniqueness about him. So let's talk about, what, what about the resurrection? What is it with his disciples, when, when they, they found out that he was alive again, how did they react in all of this? Remember, he told them that this was going to happen. Over and over again, he had conversations with them, and, and, and he told them that he would die and he would come back. I mean, he spoke about resurrection and life all the time. And it wasn't just about himself, it was about other things. Listen to some of the things he said in John chapter 5, verse 25. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when what? The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Who? The dead. They will live. John 5, 21, just a few verses before, he says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. In other words, Jesus is saying, just as God puts life in us and he can raise people from the dead, which they've witnessed and they've seen, he says, he's given me the authority to give life to whoever I want to give life Finally, he says in John eleven twenty five, 25, when he's talking with Martha, and, and Mark brought this up just a while ago in his, in his comments. He tells her, I'm the resurrection, the life, and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You see, Jesus was always talking about life after death. 
It's not going to confine us forever. And according to the Gospels, he also exercised this power that he had even over death even during his ministry. There was a little girl who died. Her, her dad's name was Jairus. And, and he came to Jesus and he spoke to him about her sickness. Well, by the time they get there, she's dead. And Jesus says, no, no, she's just asleep. And the people are saying, we know what death is, Jesus. She's dead. And so he goes in. He takes her by the hand. And she comes back to life. There was another, another time, we're told in Luke 7, that Jesus was kind of walking into town and, and, and there's this wedding, or not wedding, a funeral procession. Sometimes it's the same, isn't it, right? But it's a funeral procession that's coming out and as they're carrying the body out on the bier, he walks up to it because he has discovered that the young man who is dead there that's being carried out to the cemetery, his mother is a widow and he was her only son. She has no one to care for her. And it broke his heart. So he walks over and he tells the young man who is dead to rise up. <laughs> he interrupted the funeral service and brought the young man back to life. Then we know he had a friend there in, in, in Bethany, a man by the name of Lazarus, that he delayed in going to him specifically so that this thing would happen, that he would come back to life. After four days, he's been buried, he's in his own sealed tomb, and Jesus has this conversation there with Martha and says, hey, hang on, hang on. If you believe in me, even if you're dead, you're going to live. And so to prove to her that he had authority over this, he speaks out and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And what does Lazarus do? He comes walking out of his grave in his grave clothes. And it's like, take his clothes off of him. He's alive. He doesn't need those. You see, life and death was evident all around Jesus. In fact, so characteristic was his power of life and his ministry that when John the Baptist, just after Lazarus is brought back, to, he, he wants to know what's going on. Are you really the one that God was going to send into the world? And, and so he tells John's disciples to tell them this. In Luke 7, 22, he says, go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. So what have they seen and what have they heard? This is what the people have seen in the life of Jesus. He says, they've seen... The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. So life after death is nothing new because Jesus was bringing people back to life on a regular basis. But for himself to come back to life with nobody else doing that, this is different. See, Jesus even sent his disciples out in, in pairs of twos to go out and to preach and to do things. But listen what he told them to do as they are going out, telling them about the good news about the kingdom of God is at hand. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, you're supposed to heal the sick and then do what? <laughs> Raise the dead? Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, you receive without pay, give without pay. He's sending his disciples out to go do these miraculous things as well. 
Everywhere we turn in the Gospels, we see Jesus talking about resurrection or causing resurrection. And so the idea of the dead living again shouldn't be some kind of new concept for the disciples, but it goes even deeper than that. Jesus told his disciples that he would rise again even after he was killed on the third day. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, he makes that statement four times without using parable, without being subtle about it. He just plainly tells them he is going to die and he is going to come back to life. They asked him about this statement, and they wondered what he meant, and they talked about it among themselves. You'd think they might have figured it out, and they would not have been so shocked and surprised on that Sunday morning when he actually came out of the tomb. But that's not the case. Matter of fact, if I would have been, then I would have been camped outside in the garden there somewhere waiting for it to happen, right? You know, if, if, if I really believed that he was going to do that. But even after seeing all that he'd done and the miraculous things that he had done, they still doubted that he would do it. They, they didn't think he would come back to life at all. So they were, they were in awe of the fact that what happened. So with all of that, I, I need to ask myself this. Where is the wonder of the resurrection for me? I mean, are, are you amazed at it as well? When we approach the resurrection of Jesus, do we just strip off its awe and amazement and it's just a normal thing because we see it all the time on TV? Do you get this? Do you know anybody who has died recently? And three or four days later, they come and visit you at your house, walking and eating and talking. It doesn't happen. This is not common, and yet somehow we're busy picking apart all the little details about rolling stones and angels and Roman guards falling and fainting and women weeping and, and the whole ordeal of it. I mean, do we spend more of our time trying to look at the specific scientific agenda that is there to, to prove whether or not he really came back to life or whether he had just fainted and passed out and he was just revived and resuscitated? I mean, are we tempting to consider all the alternative theories that are out there or are we going to simply believe what historians have accounted for us? I mean, is there any energy left for our own wonder and amazement? In the end, I think we're going to leave this time of worship today. And we've talked about resurrection. We've, we've come to celebrate the resurrection. But are we going to walk away feeling like something's still missing? Is it life-changing in you? Or is it just another day? I mean, if we feel no sense of all, no, no pulsation of astonishment in our lives, and we have no breathless of wonder... Who are we? The resurrection of Jesus is the most significant thing that this world has ever had happen within it. There's nothing greater. Jesus conquered the natural order of things, life and death. And our response to the resurrection of Jesus should be more than just some kind of platitude of acknowledgement. We ought to be life-changed because of it. I mean, it ought to blow our minds and recognize that what God has done is that which is impossible. It can't happen any other way. 
Maybe it's helpful to understand that the overwhelming response to that first resurrection morning wasn't that they sat down and composed a symphony or wrote a dissertation on it or even preached a sermon about it describing all the details. What what amazes me is that rather than, than all of that, there was this shock they, they didn't understand what was going on. There was, it wasn't just being shocked. They were, they, were, they were dumbfoundedly stunned and didn't know what to say. And then, all of a sudden, the fear begins to grow into them, and, and, and some of them fell on their faces in worship. Can you imagine being one of those soldiers outside that tomb when all of a sudden the earth begins to shake And before you descends an angel out of heaven and rolls a stone away, and they just fainted. I I could not imagine what it would have been like to have been one of them that, that day. Their response was, oh my. And they were gone. And instead of going to their commanding officer, the centurion or whoever, they relayed to the religious guys and they said, hey, what's going on here? This is something beyond normal. This is something that's got to be spiritual. We've heard about who this guy is. We've contemplated all these things and now all of a sudden we've seen an angel and the angels move the stone and the man is gone that was in there that we were supposed to guard. He's alive. Now what are we going to do? No wonder they fell to the ground in a faint. Unfortunately, though, even those who were the closest to Jesus, this is how they reacted. The women, they were scared to death. The disciples, they were were startled and terrified, and and they thought he was a ghost. And at first, they didn't want to believe, and and then finally, when they did believe, they, they didn't know what to do with it. They could no longer deny the truth. They were finally overjoyed with the thought that he is alive. It appears that no amount of forewarning or prediction can adequately prepare you to talk about or think about somebody really coming back to life as Jesus did. So they had just resigned themselves to the fact that Jesus died on a cross and that he was buried. Now what are they going to do? John, when he writes his gospel, will often refer to, oh yeah, well, we didn't quite get it back then, but now we see it. You know, they they didn't understand. And should we really blame them? After all, the resurrection is so far outside our ability to grasp or contemplate, let alone explain. How did he do this? Therefore, wonder and awe and amazement is really the only thing left, isn't it? To celebrate the resurrection without this overwhelming sense of wonder is really to miss the point. So, this resurrection amazement and wonder, it it makes a difference, doesn't it? It changes things for us. You see, because the resurrection is God's antidote for our sin. It's the one thing that that helps to remove it from us and free us from it. Every Sunday, especially on this Sunday, our Resurrection Sunday, we're invited to consider the possibility of something supernatural, beyond extraordinary, that took place 
It seems to be unbelievable and incredible and impossible, and yet it's undeniable, and it's an astounding thing, and it's an amazing thing, and it's an awesome thing that Jesus did for us. The resurrection forces us to think that it's not just this cause and effect symptom, that, or I can understand everything if I just try hard enough, because we're not going to understand it. What if there are forces moving beyond this world and dimensions that are unfolding that we can't even see? That's what Paul tries to get us to understand, that there are rulers and principalities and authorities and things that are going on that are beyond our own naked eye, that are not of this world, but the spiritual world where there is a spiritual battle taking place with angels and demons and life and death is all focused on you. What if there are possibilities in our lives if only we had eyes to see them that we could see it? that we could see what God is doing in advance. But here's the thing, you can. He's told us what He's doing in advance, just as Jesus told His disciples in advance of what was going to happen, and yet they didn't get it and they didn't understand and they, they couldn't believe it when it actually happened. God is telling us the same thing, that He is moving forward in history, preparing for us a place which right now we don't quite understand and see. What if there's a, a God who can break into this world and shake a dead man awake and destroy the power of death and, and toss out the resurrection life like, you know, like a jack, jackpot and a nickel dime uh, you know, vending machine or, or whatever in Vegas? Think about it. It just starts pouring out. He has the ability. See, God says, I am the God of the resurrection power. That if you believe in me, even if you die, yet shall you live. He says, I hold in my hands the keys to life and death. I don't play by your rules. As a matter of fact, I'm the one who makes the rules. God can break into our lives and into our world to accomplish His will in any way and in every way that He wants. You see, because He is the Almighty God. He is the everlasting God. He is the all-knowing God. He is this death-overcoming, death-breaking, life-giving Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And God asks us, now, what are you going to do with a God like me? Are you going to believe? Or are you going to deny me? Now, as I stand before you today, I, I realize a few things. I can't make you stand in awe of God. I can't impart to you that wonder and amazement. I can't make you uncross your arms and lay aside your doubts about the resurrection story if you don't want to. 
I can't force you to consider the possibility that you are not the measure of this world, that your mind and your experience do not set the boundaries of your existence. I can't make your heart believe in a resurrecting God. I can't make you live again when you die. All I can do is tell you that He can. And you're here on this day as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. All I can do is testify that on a morning like this, God broke into our world and He raised a dead man back to life. All I can do is is try to to understand and feel the immensity of that moment and what it does for me. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8, he he says, I want to pass on to you what is, first of all, of of uttermost importance. Listen to what he has to say. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he says, then he appeared to James, that's Jesus' younger brother, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Here we have eyewitness recording of Jesus coming back to life. I would love to have been one of them. But I'll tell you what, I will be. Because one day, I'm going to get to see him living. He's promised me that. And he's promised you that as well. If you want to put your faith and your trust in him, you shall see him alive beyond the grave. Matter of fact, even beyond your grave. the 8th century, there was a, a Christian man who wrote a poem. His name is John. He was from Damascus. This is his short little poem he wrote. He says, The day of resurrection, earth, tell it out abroad. The, pass, the Passover of gladness, the Passover of God. From death to life eternal, from this world to the sky, our Christ hath brought us over with hymns of victory. Now, let the heavens be joyful, let earth her song begin, let the round world keep triumph in all that is therein. Let all things, seen and unseen, their notes in gladness blend, for Christ the Lord hath risen, our joy that hath no end. Jesus is alive. And He has risen specifically 
for you. So that you have the ability by His grace and by His mercy and by His goodness to have your sins forgiven. And then not only that, but to have an opportunity to be adopted into His life and into His family as a son, as of God, as an heir to the throne, to be a brotherhood in Christ. That's what He's done for us so that we know that He has prepared for us a place in heaven. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, yes. It's the greatest escape that's ever happened for your benefit. If you would stand with me as we close out in prayer and the group wants to come up. Father, we know that this life is but brief. We know that death is unavoidable for us. But Father, it doesn't have to be the last thing there. Because what you've done through your son Jesus, you've, you have overcome the grave. You have overcome death. And you have enabled life to become something that is everlasting. Father, we are so amazed that Jesus is no longer in his tomb. Something so out of the ordinary because you needed to do something that would give credibility to his sacrifice. So Father, we now have the ability to rise as well. To meet with him one day in the air and Father, to be able to stand in your presence forgiven of our sins prepared to have a life everlasting and the place that you have prepared for us. Father, may we take this message, this good news, that Jesus is risen to a world who needs a hope. It's in his name we pray. Amen.